Welcome to the Victorian Parent Council VPC Parent Podcast Series. VPC is a registered charity organisation dedicated to everyone who support parents in educating their children. I'm Jackie Vanderveld, your host today. Welcome everybody to VPC Live. It's wonderful to be here tonight. My name is Jackie Vanderveld and it's my great pleasure to be hosting another VPC Live for you. Our guest this evening is Claire Eaton and Claire's going to be speaking about boosting the teen mindset, um, equipping teens with mindset tools to handle the ups and downs of high school and life. And uh, Claire, I wish I'd known you earlier. <laughs> Thank <laughs> it you. It would have been, been, been good to have your expertise. So a little bit about Claire. Um, she's a national speaker, youth coach, and author of four books and, and the audio uh, pep talk program for teens. She began her career as a teacher and a deputy principal where she's worked for over 20 years and that quickly led to her deep interest in prevention-focused social and mental and emotional health for young people. So, Claire, I've got a, a huge list about food with your bio, but I think it's probably best if I hand over to you and, uh, and let you introduce yourself. Awesome. Thank you, Jackie. And thanks, everyone, for hopping on and making me welcome tonight. It's um, great to be a part of a VPC live event. Um, I think my uh, just a couple of seconds really on where I've come from. I spent a lot of years in education and I was always that person in the staff room that wanted to talk about uh, children's well-being. And I, I really just turned it into a passion and a craft. And in 2007, I took that, uh, the be made the best decision of my life, took the leap of faith and really formalised my my skill set as a team coach and a speaker and then an author. Um, so mindset, well-being, self-esteem, resilience, optimism, confidence, that's my jam. I could talk about it all night long, but we've got an hour. So um, we're here. Let's go, Jackie. So we're here. So we're uh, we're ready to go. So folks, we have actually got all of your uh, your questions, questions. Um, that you sent in. And so Claire, we had a little bit of a chat and what the way we're going to approach it is we're going to answer them holistically rather than individually answer those questions that you sent in because Funnily enough, and oddly enough, we've got questions that are actually pretty similar that have come in from people. So we think that's probably the best way of handling it. Yeah. However, we do have a Q&A button. So please feel free to use that. That Q&A button is at the bottom of your screen. Please feel free to use that to pop your questions in there. And I'll sort of triage those and work them into our discussion. Um, if we don't get to them um, by the end of the session tonight, we will um, we'll take them on notice and we'll we'll find a way of getting back to you uh, with that answer, whether it's something we post on social media or if it's generic enough, or we will contact you if you've registered with oh. an email address. Okay, so we'll let you know. Uh, in the chat function, please use the chat function too, but know that that is going to be public to everybody. So um, just be aware of that. But the Q&A button um, is something that will come uh, just to us. So, Claire, let's get started. So, first up, I mean, what I mean, we talk about mindset, and I, I work in the well-being, well-being and resilience space as well. So, I'm really interested when people come up with a definition of what is mindset, um, and why why is it so important that we intentionally look for ways to boost it in the teen years. Mm. So from my perspective in my work with teenagers, I, I term mindset as like our mental attitude and our mental approach to whatever's going on in our life. And I think that our mindset is very strongly based on our beliefs and our experiences. Hence, everyone's mindset is so different. So I'm very big on bringing the mindset of teenagers to their attention so there's so much talk around about growth mindset and fixed mindset, but I come at, come at it from a slightly different perspective. I call it own it mindset. And to me, that just puts teenagers in this space where regardless what fancy things are out there that you can talk about and the, and the evidence and the data and the facts around it, mindset is something I can own. And I can learn to own it. So I think this is why when we're talking about understanding it and learning ways to intentionally boost it, first and foremost, we've got to know that we can be in control of our mindset. That's a big deal for a teenager. That's a really big deal. And for adults as well, right? So 
when we talk about owning our mindset, teenagers are far more open to ideas and suggestions, removing that sense of right or wrong and opening up the idea that there's responsibility and there's accountability and there's also flexibility that goes with owning our mindset. So does that get us started, Jackie? It feels like I it does to me. Really, look, I think that's a really good place. And we try to pigeonhole ourselves into mm. that. And if we don't fit all of the criteria, if a young person says, well, I don't fit that criteria, that's not quite me, they don't think that it's particularly relevant to them and they might be inclined to tune out. Absolutely. So when I when I... Teenagers tend to be far more um, willing to talk about mindset when we call it own it. And I just say it's just a way of thinking. It's just a way of seeing the world. Like, ah, pressure's off. I don't have to meet anyone's standards or expectations. And when they do that, they sit in this space that if I can own it, I can change it. And if I can own it, change it, then I'm more flexible and adaptable. And haven't we seen in the last few years, how important it is for our teenagers to have, you know, a flexible and adaptable mindset, because we have proved again and again, we can't be rigid, we can't be set in in concrete. And Mm. at their stage of development, you know, they're, they're going through so much of so much brain change, you know, and we're talking really in this tonight, we're really talking about that year seven to year 12, Um, hot spot, but of course, not limited to. So the information that I'm sharing can really overlap into year five and year six, and it can overlap to 17, 18, 19, of course. Mm -hmm. So, but we know one of the big reasons why we want to bring so much attention to mindset is the mindset ripple has a massive ripple effect. It has a huge impact on our general sense of joy and happiness and energy and just how we see people, events, um, circumstances and situations. So I think it's nice for teenagers to know that they can, I, I use the terminology, they can set their mind, flip the words around, they can set their mind one thought at a time. So I'm hoping that sort of gives a wrap up of why we really want to shine a light on mindset right now. It's so important. It is important. And what I really love about your explanation there, Claire, is that you are giving ownership and agency to the young people we're talking, you know, that we're aiming to help here. So, and that's a real struggle for parents, you know, hello, been there, done that. I've got adult children now. So, um, and they've turned out okay. So good job. <laughs> which is a good thing. Um, but that handing over agency to your children, and you know, I often say this, and people have been on our on our webinars before will know that I've said we're not raising children, we're raising adults. Mm. And when you make that change in your own mind, your own mindset as a parent, mm. it really does change the relationship you have with your children as they become adults. Mm. So I love your definition is that, that handing over that authority and that agency mm. to to the children or to the to our teens themselves. Yeah. And in addition to that, Jackie, I think it's important that we point out that whilst we're handing it over, we're not letting go. So yeah. we are still scaffolding and guiding. And our role as parents, as many parents would say, our role as parents is is really cranking up as they hit high school. You know, so we hand because they're they're striving for autonomy and independence. They want that strong mindset. So mm-hmm. our job is to loosen things off, but we're still we're still there, very tight, very safe, very secure around them. Absolutely. Exactly. And I hate to tell you this, folks, even with my adult children, it doesn't get easier, it just gets different. So <laughs> differently different. awesome. I say Different, differently. Differently awesome, awesome. differently awesome. <laughs> okay. So we've had lots of questions about about motivation. So mm. what why and how is motivation connected to that team mindset? So this is something that I've written a lot about in uh, two of my books. One is Rock and Rise. And you see the little picture on the screen there, which is pretty funky. I wrote about this in Rock and Rise. And I also wrote, wrote about it in Hello High School. So Rock and Rise is for, for teen, written for teenagers, year seven to year 12 not limited to, and Hello High School is really for year seven to year nine. So those those initial stages of high school. But what we know about mindset and motivation is they're actually very connected. However, 
what we see with young people and ad adults too is that there is an over-reliance on motivation. So we assume that in order to get started and motivation connects in quite strongly with procrastination as well, but in order to get started, we need motivation. But unfortunately, motivation is so unreliable. It just doesn't show up when it's supposed to show up. So of course, we've got teenagers that are thinking, They've got this lackluster um, mindset waiting for motivation to show up. And I say to them, make a start. Motivation will come. So motivation to me, you might get 10% motivation before you start a task and it grows as you accomplish and achieve and succeed and get things done and tick things off your list. However, you, you know, work through your to-do list, all the activities you've got to do. So we know that it's procrastination is so unreliable, but when it shows up, that's when we get that dopamine hit. And that's when our mindset starts to go, oh, oh, I can do this. I can get this job done. I can finish this. This wasn't as hard for me as I thought. So we know that one way to kind of boost that motivation is to flood our children's lives with routine. And when we get into the mindset that routine is our friend and probably more friendly than motivation, and I suppose when I talk about this, I'm really talking about when teenagers are trying to do things that don't float their boat. You know, I think of my son. Motivation for him to play cricket, not required. Not required. Motivation for him when he was in high school to finish that maths project off or that science assessment, it was required. And I, I always said to, oh, I always used to say to him, are you noticing how motivation isn't showing up? We got to do other things. If we're waiting for motivation, you're not going to get the job done. So things that we can do to boost motivation is introduce rules, routines, processes, and strategies. Now, there's something that I talk about called the Sunday setup and the Wednesday wind up. And I talk about that in depth in Hello High School. It's a really popular chapter and it just guides teenagers through the importance of setting time aside to create a routine or a system or a process that will set them up for the best possible week. So I'm a big fan of sprint reward, sprint reward. The young brain loves it. So we know the young brain works in about 20 minute gaps or chunks of time. But if we can set a timer and we, you know, we go for it, we sprint for 20 minutes and the, the timer goes off, our brain gets this massive hit of dopamine. I did it. I finished. I, I got three questions done out of 10. I've only got seven to go. Um, I've, I've, you know, I've got, I finished off that chapter. They get the dopamine hit. Then the motivation comes in to do question four and question five and question six, because I've worked with teenagers for a, such a long time. Completion and um, handing stuff in and lifting the weight off their shoulders is a big deal for them. So they get that mindset. They they start building it almost from the opposite way they expected it. It's a well, funny it's thing. Well, it's building on success, isn't it? It's actually them saying, you know, it's getting them getting their, you know, their fist pump aha moment. Yeah. Look, I've done it. I've done it, and I've done it myself. So. Yeah. There's that doing it yourself is a huge, huge, huge bonus in motivation because yeah. you're building on previous success. And it doesn't matter how small that success is or how small that step is, it adds to the competence. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. They're just building it in increments. So what they do every time they set a routine or put a process in place is that they're building their confidence from the inside out. So then they're building their mindset that I can, I can start. I can keep going. I can do hard things. I can push through challenges. Um, I can succeed and I can fail and bounce back. So we're building mindset from an, almost an unexpected place, which is, a, which is lovely. And so that routine then lays down the foundations for future, future motivation. I, I love routine. I love lists. I love checklists. For me personally, going through setting out what I need to do for the day and then getting through tick 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 mate it's hugely motivating for me yeah. <laughs> because yeah. you know 
it, it you know you know life is going to throw you curveballs and stuff like that so yeah um we'll get to curveballs in a minute but are there other routines that people can engage in you know not it's not just the 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 routine of making a checklist but there are other things that you have seen from your practice mm. that really help that motive build the skills to be motivated yeah so I talk about many of the specific routines in pep talks that I've created for teenagers and I'll just hold this up because that'll give us an idea there's nine of them they're about an hour each and one of them is specifically around motivation action and organization and the other is procrastination, routine, and productivity. And these nine topics that, you know, I've created these pep talks around, this is from years and years of doing coaching sessions with teenagers. You know, I've coached hundreds of teenagers since 2007. But what I really noticed is if our, if our young people have got a week system, as in uh, setting up for their week, Sunday set up, Wednesday wind up, but if they bookend their day, if they have a, say, a routine that they follow, you know, quite um, methodically from, say, 6.30 to 7.30 or 7 to 8, whatever their time frame is in the morning, and then again in the evening around dinner, sport, chores, you know, social things, nan and pop, is that they don't require motivation to do that. They just follow what's on the list. Empty the dishwasher, tick. Feed the dog, tick. And that gives them the mindset that I can organize myself. I can work through my um, tasks independently. I don't need my parents constantly, you know, reminding me and nagging me because tell, show me a parent that loves doing that. Yeah, they're, they're, they're just not out there. You're never going to hear a parent say, I love nagging my son. It's right. awesome constantly reminding my daughter. So I notice that teenagers that really set up a strong morning and afternoon routine set themselves up to have a competent mindset and set their mind to believe that I'm capable of driving myself. And when I mean driving myself, it's taking charge of myself. I think that's a really important thing to acknowledge here. They want to do that. Look, I, I, I really like that, that approach. And I think one of the challenges for parents and I know, look, I'm, I was guilty of this myself, is that you start, you, you, you take over, you, 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 do the, you do the dishwasher yourself, you get involved in packing the bag, you get involved in the reminding, all this sort of stuff. Yeah. Um, when, you know, which might have been helpful when they were little and probably necessary when they were smaller, but you're now moving to an age group where an age and mm. stage where really, you know, we need to, as parents, back off a bit and allow allow things to happen mm. <laughs> hopefully hopefully within your time frame but even then you know, maybe if we've got expectations that you know the dishwasher gets unpacked at a certain time or by a certain time so there's clean clean crockery for everybody to use for dinner yeah you know, it's no good saying oh in your own time when you actually need everything to be out now <clears throat> but for parents to actually set those expectations and say look what is it you can do or what will you do or I think you're capable of doing this and then having just having that presupposition that they will do the things that they've been asked. Yeah. And, you know, um, it's, a, it's a great point there, Jackie, is that young people like to feel that they're surrounded by people that see see their strengths, see their worth. So when they feel that we're backing them and we believe they're competent and we believe that they can run that four to five schedule quite fine by themselves and I'm you know pointing out here that we are not looking for perfection we are not looking for a squeaky clean mindset that has no dips we're looking you know mindset is really something that just bobs along and there are times where it's going to get smacked and and we know that where you just think oh my mindset is just not where I need it to be right now but the beautiful thing of that about that is if we can empower our young people to recognize where their mindset is sitting, once again, they've come back in charge. So they get that feeling. And we know, we know the signs that our mindset has dropped. We know it for ourselves. And as I said, when we first started talking, that our mindset has consequences. So when there's a dip, we feel it and it might impact maybe a relationship with a friend or our, our partner or, you know, and it, it could relate impact a child's um, connection with a teacher 
or their friends at school or just, you know, acquaintances that they've got in a particular class that they don't have any mates with. So that sense of awareness around where is my mindset at right now? And we know that mindset is quite an attractive thing. So if you've got a buoyant mindset, there's a fairly good chance buoyant mindset there's a fairly good chance that they will gravitate towards others with a buoyant mindset yeah or they'll bring out that buoyant mindset in other people so that's really important in terms of connection because I know there was a few questions about friendship and whilst we're not specifically talking about friendship we know that when when we've got that energy and that um sense of I'm up and I'm choosing to be in this state, that that's attractive. Yeah. It's, yeah, it's a, got a really good vibe. So, but, so, let, so let's, let's sort of take this conversation because now we're, we're sort of moving towards the curveball that I mentioned before. Okay, so man, have we had curveballs. So it's like as, mm. as if the teenage years don't have enough curveballs of their own, right? We've, we've had the last two and a half, nearly three years of what we've been living through. Yeah. How how does mindset or how do we engage mindset to deal with things? And I want to be a little bit specific here because we've still got cohorts coming through who have imagined their final years of school playing out a certain Mm. way with, you know, um, uh, particular events that they would have had. Mm, um, Rites of passage. Rites of passage that are no longer there or have been modified significantly. Mm. And it's not working out the way that perhaps older siblings have gone through or the way they had, had envisaged. So there's still a lot of that to play through. So the current year eights have probably, they're, they're good. <laughs> mm. They've never known, really known anything anything different. But it, it is different for, say, our nines, tens and elevens and twelves still. How do we manage curveballs? Yeah, how do we manage curveballs? Look, I think no one has dodged this and people are still dodging and coping and dealing with it. Um, depending where you live, how old you are, the age gap between your children, the type of school you go to, boy, oh boy, it's layered and it's complex. So I would answer this question in saying that when we have a mindset that is some things, in fact, many things are out of my control. That when we just take a breath after saying that, then we have to go into that acceptance mode. There are many things that are beyond my control. In fact, most things. The things that are in my control puts us back into the strength position. What I think, how I feel, how I use my time, the choices that I make, what I eat, what time I go to bed, the conversations that I have, what I watch on the news. So from a parent's perspective, we want to be constantly putting out, helping our teenagers move back into that space of, I can't control that. And I don't like that I can't control it, but I can control this. And I think that mindset helps teenagers, oh, I don't know, feel better. I, I'm not sure what the right word is there, but they, I can't control that, but I can control how I think about it. I can control how I respond to it, how I react to it, how I talk about it. Um, And that for me gives them that sense of stability. What is stability? I have to be my stability. Now, that's a big deal for a young brain. What's big for an adult brain? Yeah. (laughs) And we've had... Yeah. We've had, Jackie, we've had two and a half years to practice this. Yeah. And, and still it's not... still hard. It's still really it's hard. It's really, really difficult. Yep. It's interesting when you're saying that, the, one of the, I suppose one of the, the biggest gifts we can give our children is to model that for them. And I think, oh, that's, yeah. where, I think that's where we're all struggling, right? Yeah. Yeah. But what I'm also seeing is, I mean, I could be wrong, but... Uh, and maybe I am, I've been wrong many times before, but I think our teenagers are seeing the vulnerability in their parents that they may never have seen before in that we're not, you know, there are some days we're pushing on and there are some days we're strong and there's other days when we are not. 
And mm. I think that's a great, um, a healthy, should I say, that's a healthy thing for our teenagers to see is the vulnerability in in adults, un- aunties, uncles, teachers, you know, teachers coming into the classroom and just, oh, you know, just... <laughs> And and reading those cues because we're all experiencing this in in very different ways. But a little tip that I think it's really important to share is something called um, having an understanding of emotional granularity, and that is teaching our teenagers to feel what they feel and don't have to judge it, just feel it. But a great thing that that helps teenagers grow their own self awareness and their mindset is being able to name and claim the emotion that they're experiencing. That takes a bit of the fear out of it, the unknown, the scariness. So that, what is that feeling in my tummy? What is that? And as parents, we can say that, where are you feeling that in my stomach? What's the word that would describe that? And a 17 year old might say, I feel so insecure and uncertain. But what we do in that moment is we build a neural pathway so that the next time that feeling comes up, that 17-year-old can feel less scared of that and think, ah, I've had this before. That's that uncertain and insecure feeling. I rode through that. I got through that. Didn't like it one little bit. So they're once again building their mindset, building that part of their mindset that says, I can feel gross and I can recover. I can feel gross and it's okay. It's completely normal. And I use the word normal very loosely, but I think this is a really great thing for teenagers to understand that when they sink, it's okay. It's how they rise back up and having the mindset to go, you know, I call it have a, having a good talk to yourself. Come on, Claire, come on. Let's just get out there and do this thing. And we've got to model that. Yeah. It's not I- easy though, is it? No, no, I have those conversations with myself every day, maybe several times a day. Mm. But, I, but I think what, what you pointed out there too is that parents are in a unique position to have these conversations with their mm. kids. And in fact, I would even go so far as to say that they are the primary person to, who should be having these conversations, that we shouldn't be yeah. abrogating our responsibility off to, off to anybody else to have these sorts yeah. of conversations. And I think them. you're right. You know, parents and carers, and it's a it's a it's a community and it's um it's a team approach. It's changed our community and team approach over the last 50 years. But as many, you know, really healthy, good quality mentors, grandparents, aunties, uncles. And we've also learned that over the last couple of years, you don't have to see people face to face to whilst we love it and we would prefer it. And I value it so much more than I do speaking on the phone, for example. Um, it's funny, I still say speaking on the phone like that. It shows my age, doesn't it? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, but our, our teenagers need to have that thinking that we, can, we can't control what has happened, but I can control, I can try to control how I'm thinking about it, reacting yeah. to it and responding to it. Yeah. So, and we're all boosting each other up so so Claire you speak a lot about moving mindset what does that mean and then how do you do it assuming which I am assuming it's a good thing yeah so yeah I'll, I'll, I'll start off explaining that by you know it's totally fine that we sink I'm a big fan of sinking and sulking I I love it. I do it really, really well. I give my permission to do it, myself permission to do it. And I encourage teenagers to do it as well. One of the best ways that we build a resilient mindset is by knowing that it's safe and it's okay to sink and to feel let down, disappointed, frustrated, embarrassed, humiliated, and have a good sulk about it. But I encourage teenagers when they're sulking to still let in the healthy stuff. So this is that mindset of I don't have to sabotage myself when I'm sulking because this is the mindset of being a healthy sulker is I can still eat good things while I'm sulking. I can still listen to music that supports me when I'm sulking. I can still exercise, move my body when I'm sulking. I don't have to eliminate everything and just pile on more unnecessary stress and pressure to to myself so I think you know bringing our attention to 
moving that mindset is that when we find our mindset in one position, that doesn't mean it needs to stay there. But it's not a bad thing that it's there. It's just there. And it's come about because you've got this beautiful young brain and you're learning how to go from a child's brain to an adult's brain and you're swirling around in the middle and you're trying to fit in and belong. So there are going to be times where your mindset feels ugh and out of sorts and a bit and a bit wobbly. But as soon as we notice that, we can decide, do I want to hang out here? Most teenagers will say no. They don't actually like it. So if we can give them the skills to move. So one of the things I talk about, it's a massive conversation in, in Rock and Rise, the blue book, and that is understanding the 80-20 rule that there are going to be times where, you know, there's a chunk of our life and experiences that are going to feel revolting. And that's okay. What that does is eradicates this whole, uh, teenagers speak to me about it all the time. I'm like, no, 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 no. It's this fake positivity. It, it's this um, uh, just not speaking their truth. It's absolutely okay to not like things. It's okay to have something not float your boat. So the 80-20 rule is quite an important aspect of a healthy mindset because we're not setting ourselves up for, for perfectionism and we are lessening or reducing the need to put on this fake positive vibe, um, which often we see on social media, right? Yeah. So we're constantly helping our teenagers to push back about the the social media mindset that they might think is accurate, where it's just a false representation, I believe, of um, what's true and possible for our teenagers. So when we're looking at moving mindset, a couple of great questions parents can ask is, what is within your control right now? And what is beyond your control? And we don't have to expect an answer there and then. Teenagers take time to process. So you might just say, so just take it, just, you know, while you're in the shower, just think about what's inside your control space and what's outside your control space. Because that's where we need to do the good work. What's inside your control, not what's out. Because you'll go around in circles, love. You'll drive yourself crazy if that's you're trying right. to control all of that <laughs> stuff that's out there. So and I, another great thing that parents can do when they feel there's a bit of a mindset wobble or a mindset shift is they can ask four questions. And that is, whilst perhaps we're talking about an idea, do you want me to listen right now? Do you want me to give you my opinion? Would you like a suggestion? Or do you just need a big hug or something else? So that's a great way to scaffold teenagers as they're grappling with their mindset changes as well. So I hope that helps in terms of, um, you know, understanding that mindset moves, but it needs our adult brain and experience with mindset to, to kind of push them on their way and guide them on their way. Absolutely. I love how you said too that you might not get an answer and I and I my work with teenagers you know you get you, you which you would appreciate Claire is that you often get the answer of I don't know mm -hmm. <laughs> um or you get a grunt or a you know or a, some sort of non-committal body language but one of the things I often say now to parents is I don't know as a response doesn't mean I don't know it just means I haven't had the opportunity to think about it yeah so you know, and that can be really frustrating. It can be really frustrating. You go, oh, I don't know. I don't know. You know, mm, mm. It, it's very easy to interpret that as, uh, you know, they're, they're throwing you off. They don't want you to be, you know, get out of my yeah. way. Stop asking me this shit. Why are you talking to me? Stop asking yeah. me these questions. Um, when in actual fact, it's just them buying time because they haven't had the opportunity to think about it. And yeah. So, yeah. That's okay. Just And that's interesting later. because as I mentioned before, I've been coaching teenagers in my office since, since 2007. And, you know, I coach a lot of teenagers every single week. And what's really interesting is 99% of them want to come because they, they get this rare opportunity to have a structured conversation and nut out what's working for them and then tweak what's not. So 
it's interesting that you say I don't know because I very gently loosely say to every teenager there's one rule when you come into this space and you can see them all thinking oh what's it going to be and that is I'm not going to let you off the hook on I don't know and as soon as I say that I follow it up with you might not know the capital of Italy you might not know, you know, every single times table. You might not know that mathematical formula. But I believe that you know everything about you. If you have the time to just dig into this. And there's like this weight that lifts off their shoulders. So parents can come back to, I don't know. That is, you might not know now, but just think this over. And you might work it out later we're evolving. It'll come. So Mm. if we put out there that we believe, then they probably will as well. But it's a very habitual thing for young people to say, I don't know. Mm. And sometimes it's for safety. Sometimes it's, (laughs) yeah, sometimes it's just, you know, uh, you know, as a teacher many, many years ago, if you asked a question and a student said, I don't know, that was them going, phew, that's me done. That's right. It's not going to come back to me. But uh, what I love in a coaching situation is, If they trust that they know about their thoughts, they know about their feelings, they know about their emotions. We're not asking them to give me data, facts, you know, historical information, just you, just you, dude. Hmm. And it's, um, it's really interesting what they, what they're prepared to push. What they'll come back with. And so we've just had, we've just, interesting, we've just had a question come in about this. If my, my, you know, son is sulky, moody and, and gets defensive if I ask ask how they're doing or checking in yeah um, and so I think we've I think we might have actually answered a lot of that I think it's having that uh, setting an expectation that you understand you you are communicating to them that you have faith that they know who they are and what's what the issues are yeah. and that they can they can actually at any time come back to you with a response or an answer or yeah in time. yeah and uh, another thing that I can add to that is uh, a word that I, I very, very, very rarely use in my coaching practice is why. Yeah. Why did you do that? Or what were you thinking? Because first of all, they don't know why. And the second thing is they usually don't know what they were thinking because they've just been, their free prefrontal cortex cortex has just been hijacked and, and they're off. But a little tip for that um, parent or carer that just asked that question is if you feel there's a defensiveness lessen the questioning and do more of the connection. So um, look, correct me if I'm wrong, but I think this might be going on. Mm. So there's no, um, and to a young brain, a very simple question like what happened then feels like interrogation. We are not interrogating them, but it feels like that because that's what their brain is geared to do at this age. So if we can kind of come in beside them and check in with, um, I could be wrong, but I'm just going to have a guess here. Teenagers are really quick to tell you if you're wrong, right? Yeah. Yeah. So you'll know straight away if you're on the wrong track. But sometimes for our teenagers, we need to give them the suggestion because they don't have the linguistic skills yet to think it up. They don't, they haven't got the words yet to think it up, especially if they're feeling a bit um, stressed. There's a bit of cortisol, a bit of adrenaline floating around. The frontal lobe's been hijacked. They're not going to be thinking straight. Exactly. So if they tell you they don't know, that's probably pretty genuine. They don't. Know. Yeah, in that situation, they, they don't probably know. don't know. Yeah, they yeah, don't know. yeah. They don't know. Yeah. But this is actually leading really nicely into some questions about communication and family communication. Mm. So we've had a few there, but are there some other tips that you can give us about really specifically talking about mindset? Yeah, so... I would say, look, I'm I'm no different from any other parent. Love, love the kids, you know, as much as possible. But when there's a problem, I'm probably like everyone else, I want to fix it. And that can sometimes get mums, dads into a bit of trouble, just trying to rush in and fix it. So I think one of the first things we need to communicate to our teenagers is that I trust that you can bring an idea to the table here. I trust that you could bring some sort of thought or idea of how we could make a difference with this or how we could change that. So we're just kind of treading them more into that adult journey rather than trying to rush in and and fix it for them. So that listening without 
knowing what you're going to say next is key. You know, we do this as humans when we're talking, we're listening to someone and in our mind, we, we, we're already conjuring up our response or what it is that we're going to say, which you know pulls us away from being totally present for, to our teenagers. So if we can just listen, practice, just practice, 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 hearing them out and leaving that little bit, a bit of space at the end. So when they do finish speaking, we're not just, shoom, we're straight in there. Just let them, just let them speak. So that's the first thing. The second thing I would suggest is always go in first with what's working well. What is working in your life? What is working at school? What is working well with your friendships? What is working well with your boyfriend? What is working well with your girlfriend? And that gives them that mindset that they're back to that 80-20. Usually when there's an issue, there's usually a lot of great things that are working really well in their life. And when they have that abundancy mindset um, rather than a scarcity mindset, they'll be quite comfortable in going, mm, that ain't working this well, but hey, this is all working. Now, what that does is it just calms the brain like ah there's lots of things working now a calm brain behaves differently and thinks differently to a stressed brain so when their brain is calm and they've already looked at what's working that gently allows them to then kind of move into the room to look at the thing that isn't working but their brain isn't um, hyper stimulated they haven't got a massive amount of cortisol and adrenaline going through their system so one of the first things that I do when I coach teenagers and I say, tell me what's, what's been going on really well for you. Tell, give me some highlights. Give me some, you know, shining moments. And that just kind of loosens them up, um, literally loosens them up uh, in their body and their brain. So, and I, if I'm, if I'm okay to keep chatting about this there is that there are, I, I, I share when I do big presentations with teenagers, something that I call the big six and the big six questions are really outlined in rock and rise. But one of the big six or two of the big six questions are who am I and where do I fit? Now, these aren't the types of questions that our teenagers are asking when they're say in year three and year four, rarely. But of course, they go through this big brain development, the hormone surge, the physical changes and adaptations, and they're checking out where they fit in the world, their pecking order, the social diversity. So for our young people, when they're trying to build their mindset, they're trying to answer these questions of who am I and where do I fit? And that if we can keep that at the back of our mind as parents, every time we sit down and chat with them, this young person is trying to work out who they are and where they fit. And that is tough. You know, if we think back to our years when we were 15, we didn't probably know it at the time because we didn't talk about this 30, 40 years ago, but now we do. And our teenagers have got a lot going on in their little brain. So we're helping them build those mindset habits very, very gently and safely in a, in a evenly paced, you know, in our home environment, whatever that home environment looks like. Um, and whether, you know, we've got kids that are boarders who are doing a lot of these conversations over the phone or on Zoom or, you know, Messenger, all those sorts of things. So the, the way we communicate with our children has changed over the years and we want to be a part of their journey. But, you know, a key is being a part of it without doing it and, yeah, and hij hijacking it. Hijacking, Boy, that's hard, isn't it? Hijacking, so hijacking their life, hijacking their life, absolutely. So it's, yeah, I often talk about that as being we're, we're, we're like the curious the curious onlooker or the coach on the side when, you know, the coach doesn't play the game, but the coach, you know. It's can, invested. Yeah, it's certainly invested, yeah. um, you know, and, uh, yeah, that's that's hard. One thing I, one thing I often uh have had or discussion I often have had with parents is um do I have to have they often will say do I have to have all the answers because sometimes I just feel such pressure mm. to have the answers for my for my kids and I just mm. don't have them mm. and, I was, and I keep saying well that's okay but let your children know that mm. I, I don't have the answer I, at the moment right now I don't have yeah. the answer right yeah so, what, yeah. Any, so any, a word we can add on there, and I think that's a really great point, is um, 
is you're meeting them where they're at and saying, you don't know and I don't know. So we're all in this together. But if we can add the word yet onto that, we don't know yet. So two words I put in there is that is we. All of a sudden, we've popped that little message into their brain that we're in this together. You're not on your own. We're in it together. And, you know, it feels more comfortable when you've got someone backing you and you're working a problem out yourself. And we have, we'll work it out and we haven't worked it out yet. Now, that presuppositional language sends a message to young people that, ah, so I can hold space to work this out. We'll get there. We don't have to know everything right now. And that is a crucial mindset building block that I don't know now, so I don't need to panic. And this helps teenagers not rush just to get an answer or make a decision just because it feels better. Mm. Because uncertainty, uncertainty doesn't feel great for most people. Yeah. Oh, so, <laughs> and, you know, when we're talking about um, family communication, one thing that I speak about to parents when I present is, is being aware of your family mindset yeah. as a collective whole in your house, whether you've got stepmom, stepdad, you know, step siblings, you've got intergenerational family living, nana and pop living with you. Um, there's all, oh gosh, you know, we know family is made up in so many awesome ways, but sometimes we've got to look back and think, oh, what is our what is the mindset that kind of bubbles in our house? Mm-hmm. And and that that's a big deal. It is a big deal. Okay. So and I and I always say just be really clear on your family values and what matters because that's going to help you. It's going to help yeah. you. And know, that's a big deal too. Get Getting clear on your family values. That's a really big deal. Big deal. Big deal. And you can spend your whole lifetime doing it. Now, Claire, we've had a few questions come through about. Children who have, or teens who've just had recent diagnoses with some, you know, some particular challenges that have meant that their confidence is low Mm. and mindset and mood is low Mm. uh, and a little bit more emotional than normal Mm. or or more more emotional than, you know, perhaps, you know, the kid down the road. Um, But I'm saying to you, parents, it's all on a scale anyway. I mean, You can live through the whole, the whole thing, whether or not they've they've been diagnosed with a particular challenge or, or otherwise. Yeah. So, are there should parents be doing this any differently if they if they're dealing with a, a child who's got some really low confidence issues or with a low, with a mindset issue or an emotional issue that makes mm. it yeah just that little bit just that little bit trickier. Yeah, yeah, I, I hear you, and um, yeah, I hear what you're saying. The first thing I would say is, as a parent, trust your gut. If you feel that there's been a significant shift in your son or daughter in, say, in the last month or the last few weeks, and you just feel that you need to take action around it, then please go ahead and do that. There is no harm in being overcautious. You know, no one's ever going to say, gee, I'm so glad that I wasn't overcautious. You know, that was so I would say if you if you feel like there's something you need to dig into more, do that. In saying that, it's really hard to get to get a specialist or a, a practitioner. So in saying that, I'm kind of, you know, a head goes three years ago where if there was an issue, you could get an appointment within a couple of weeks but it's not that anymore. So sometimes as a family, we need to bunker down. We need to um, cut, you know, 10, 20, 30, 40% of unnecessary busyness stuff around us and just bring our focus back in to this young person so that we're really helping them see that perhaps they've experienced a change or got some information that has ruffled their feathers that, they are still capable of managing over time and learning how to do it, how they handle this thing that was out of their control. Yeah. So, you know, I I work with young people um, that say have a massive sporting injury and they're on a huge trajectory to go and do sport in a big way and they break their leg. They sulk big time. And I say, you do that. You have a good soul because this was not in your game plan. 
And then when you're ready, we are going to pull ourselves back out of this and we're going to manage and handle what we can manage and handle. So I would say pull in resources. You know, the books that I've written for teens are a great way for, for doing that. The pep talks was my response to massive shortage in practitioners. So do the research, find the little things that you need to do and come back to basics. Look at food, look at sleep, look at routine, look at movement. If you've got an animal, bring that animal close. Look at the music that plays in your house. Um, just look at the energy in your home and really come back to those basic foundational things because when our young people feel unsettled, they seek um, familiarity and rock solid basics, which mums and dads and carers, they know how to deliver that. They know their children better than anybody. Exactly. So to the parents who are asking about those particular diagnoses, what Claire was saying will work absolutely beautifully. Mm. It does take a few more steps, okay, but uh, and it does take a little more patience. But having routine and keeping things simple mm. really does help because not only is it help, it's going to help you too. It's yeah. going to help your mindset and being able to manage that a lot better. Yeah, good point. Yep. So, Claire, moving on to the really uh, yeah fun times with teenagers, fun times, fun times, happy faces. <laughs> having, I, I remember conversations with mine and I didn't think I was being particularly harsh, right? But then I was told that I was so judgmental and that my tone was judging and that I was somehow criticising them. And, and then I, I sort of morphed into, you know, I had periods where I was the worst, worst mother ever because I was, you know, I, I'd, I'd passed judgment. And all I was doing, honestly, all I was doing was asking the questions trying to get into the mindset and the thinking and understanding, yet my questions just seemed to dig me and every conversation <laughs> just seemed to dig me into a bigger and bigger hole. Not through and lack of trying. Not through lack of trying. It's right. And a friend yeah. reminded me the other day about, you know, digging holes and he, he just said, well, the first thing is that when you find yourself in a hole, stop digging. Yeah. <laughs> and I thought, you know, yeah, I should have... <laughs> I could have done with I could have done with that advice earlier, but in my efforts to try and fix it, it just got worse, right? So, yeah. Um, okay, guilty is charged. Okay, okay. so we're talking judgment so we're talking, here. Judgment. That's what we're talking. How do we get? Yeah. How do we not appear to judge, even though we all we wanting is the best thing? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Um, well, I you know I think in terms of judgment, teenagers are very prickly to it. So you mentioned a couple of things. You said tone. Teenagers are so prickly to tone, yeah? So for us, we have to be super sensitive around the tone that we use because don't forget, they've had a whole day at school with strong, often strong leadership tone, which we need. That's the, I'm not talking about the education system and the highs and the lows, but you know, we've got these structures and boundaries in place. Then they come home. They don't need to hear that more of that, that sort of tone. So the, the lightness that we can bring to all conversations is only going to benefit us if we can bring lightness to it and bring a bit of playfulness to it. And rather than asking questions, come in from that back door, like I mentioned before. I'm going to take a guess here, but I think this might be going on. And if they say no, go, okay, but I, it's my duty, it's my job, it's my role to ask. And the door's always open. But, you know, when we're talking about judgment, um, we want our teenagers, particularly judgment with other teenagers, I hear about this a lot. We want, everyone's judging everyone. Like, let's, let's be honest everyone's judging everyone okay that's that's what humans do but when when we're using someone's judgment to dampen our mindset that's when we need to keep our beliefs about ourselves stronger than anyone else's because the reality is I'm not going to float everyone's boat I'm not everyone's cup of tea not everyone's going to like me no everyone's going to like the way I dress or the way I talk so they're going to have an opinion but my opinion about myself, my teenager's opinion about his self has to be louder and roar louder than anyone else's. So it's bringing that torch back into me, myself, I, what do I believe to be true about me? 
That's just someone's opinion. So that just keeps the, you know, we don't want to, you know, when parents, we don't want them to, kids to be spitting back with judgments about someone else. They go, sure, that's their judgment. Do I like it? No, not really. Do Mm. I like it when I hear it? No, not really. So I need to shine the light back on myself. And that reduces drama. It reduces stress and it stops and reduces teenagers getting into that judge, 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 judge cycle, which ends, no one wins. No one wins. No, you're right. So if they're feeling judged, come back to self. Yeah. What am I okay? What what about me is okay? What can I do? What are my strengths? Because remember, they're trying to ask those big six questions. And a lot of this shows up at night as they're just about to jump into bed too. That's right. Big six unfortunately. Show up. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Exactly. Yeah. Okay. So we've got a few minutes left. Um, transition. And that's a really big deal, I know. And mind, mindset's important. And we've got, we've probably got, well, very shortly, we've got, uh, you look, our year sixes looking to have open days and transition days mm. to their high school. Mm. So that's all coming up. Yeah. And so the other end of the spectrum too, you know, we've yeah. got year 12s that are looking yep. to up. step into this space. So regardless of where we're at, the mindset around change is essential. So it's, I do presentations every year. I go into schools in, year, in term four and I present to the year sixes and then I present to their parents at night, teaching them a lot of this stuff about how we can start off on the right foot. But I also talk to year 12s about how they can make the leap into the, into the, into the adult world. Yeah. And it's exactly the same at either end. It's the, it's the fear. It's the unknown. It's the, the big six questions. Can I do this? Am I good enough? Will people like me? Am I going to succeed? Will I will I meet the expectations of people that are important to me? So these little voices are chirping in their heads as what they say is I'm really scared of that change. But beneath that are all these questions around, can I do it? Can mm. I do this? Mm. Because as I mentioned before, change and unknown for most people doesn't feel that comfy. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. And I think too, we look back at past successes, you know, when have you done something similar before? Yeah. Yeah. Um, And, you know, we pull back in from that control. What is it that you can control in this transition from primary school to high school? Or what is it you can control from high school to beyond, from TAFE to beyond, from uni to beyond? What is it that you can control? You just have to show up. You control your thoughts, you control your feelings, or you give it a damn good crack. That's what we do. Exactly. Exactly. So Claire, thank you so much for this evening. It's been a wonderful, wonderful chat. Um, I've enjoyed it. I've certainly learned a lot from it. Um, I think we've actually answered pretty much. Yeah, I'm looking through them. I'm so sorry if we didn't, but I I tried to cover everyone's questions. I think think we actually have. I think we've actually done quite well. So please join me in thanking Claire uh, for being here tonight. It's been a wonderful, wonderful discussion uh, and such an important theme uh, for for parents. to have, who can really have a you know significant impact on mindset, um, the way we model, the way we speak with our children. So, Claire, thank you for sharing your expertise with us. It's been fantastic this evening. And, Jackie, for parents that want to know more and dig into some of the things that I wasn't able to really dive into but scathe it over, um, I think there's a code that they can use, which is VICPC, and if they they can use that to access any of the books or the pep talks on my website for the next forty eight hours. Okay, so I pop that up in the I pop that up in the chat. Yep. Um, thank you so much. That's incredibly generous. Um, so for parents who are on tonight, you've got access to that code. Yep. So fantastic. Um, and folks, I will draw your attention to some other events that we've got coming up as well in the VPC live events. Um, I'll put the link up there, but coming up next Monday night, uh, we have uh, the team uh, talking about the changes that are happening to the VCE. Uh, so I know that that's, we've got parents who have children who are coming up to that and there are some, are some changes, some good changes, some exciting changes. So we'll have uh, people from the department 
uh, on the VPC live chat with us to talk about what those changes are. So that's next Monday, the 22nd of August. And then on the 8th of September, we have Deanna Dow back again uh, to talk about creating a roadmap for VCE exams because we know um, there's uh, it's head head down, tail up at the moment, <laughs> getting, getting ready for those final exams. So we've got those uh, coming up. So can't see the event code. I've put it, they're all in the chat. If you're looking for that, the lady looking for those links, I'll put them up in the chat. So if you click on the chat box, but what we might do though, is we might get uh, along with a, I think a little survey that we're sending out. Uh, we might get, uh, we might put those, uh, uh, that information in the, uh, oh, the chat's been disabled, has it? Oh, apologies, apologies. What we'll do. Oh yeah, it does look like that. Sorry about that, everyone. I will repost them. Thank you for letting me know. There we go. There's the events. And it was V, V, P, C. V, I, C, P, C. V, so V, I, C, P, C. That's it. Did I, did I do that properly? P, C. Oh, gosh. V, so Vic, P, C. V, C. There we go. Okay, ignore the Got top it. bottom ones there. There we go. <laughs> All right, sorry, folks. We've just, uh, yeah, it was disabled, but that's back. Yay. <laughs> anyway, it's there. Yay. Okay, so you can see those. And there will be a little uh, survey that comes out to you as well to ask you for a quick evaluation so we can get some more support from the department to bring these uh, VPC sessions to you. So, Claire, once again, thank you so much for your time this evening. Wonderful chatting. Thank you, everybody. We hope that you've got a lot from it um, and you've uh, benefited from the expertise that Claire has brought to the table tonight. Oh, thanks for having me. Thanks for coming thanks on board, everyone. everyone. I appreciate it. Bye. See you. Thank you to our guest speaker. We hope you enjoyed today's topic. Want to know more about this podcast and other VPC podcasts? Please visit the VPC website, vicparentscouncil.vic.edu.au and leave a review. We would also welcome you to contact us if you would like to be our guest or if you have a topic around parenting and education. Thank you to Melbourne singer Emma Sydney for her permission to use her soundtrack, Cherish. Until next time, thank you for listening.